Welcome to the show. Great to be with you today. In, in studio, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk. Is it? I feel like I need to be doing an Irish jig or something. Do it. What is that? So what? wait, you thought about the Irish. I thought about pirates. You thought about pirates? <laughs> but you thought I, you thought about the Irish. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. That makes more sense than my pirates. What's that thing? song actually called? Um, it's called Swinging Kel... Rios. Yeah, that's Irish. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the show. Great Top to be with you morning, guys. Julia. I know. It's, uh, things are getting purple around here, by the way. So purple. Not to be a, a nerd here at NerdFest 5000, but... Uh, no, you love being a nerd. The first Sunday of Advent's coming up. It's all purpley. The first Sunday of Advent is days away, and everybody... If you've listened to this show for like a year, you know how much we love Advent around the Paul That's George very show. true. You and I do share very few things in common. Uh, but Advent is one of those things we share in common. We're Advent we li- enthusiasts. <laughs> we like that. What's the deal with purple for Advent? Talk to me. Well, it's a penitential color. Um, and who Advent says? It's a penitential season. The people who pick the colors they at just the beginning. Purple is penitential. Well, you, had to, you had to pick it. You, you know? had it's to like... decide. Like reds for martyrs. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense, right? The yeah, blood of the, the blood, martyr. But... The white of the saints, that makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but they need to do something for penance. So purple? Why not black? I mean, I didn't understand, you know? Well, black was probably taken already with the funeral thing and mm. stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's uh, no, I'm sure there's some meaning behind that. The violet. Um, Do you know what other two colors make purple? Red and blue. There you go. So right. Yeah, yeah. That was just a random question. So Thanks. anyway, yeah. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thanks for listening here on KLFT Radio, Katieana, wherever you are on the podcast. Yeah, first Sunday of Advent's coming up, so the season's beginning, the new year. We celebrated Christ the King last week. Lots of good stuff on the show today. We're excited. Um, How was your Thanksgiving, man? Dude, we'll get into that. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure coming out of Thanksgiving, you have a have you seen. What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real, though? Yes, yeah, so uh, last week... Yeah. A Colorado man was arrested. Oh, no. For setting his mom's house on fire. This is never good when you start a heavy scene when <laughs> someone got arrested. Which uh, is sad enough, but he didn't do it on purpose. Oh. Uh, however, he, so you ever just kind of go overboard with something and it gets out of hand? That was probably the first half of my life. <laughs> Every story, everything I, I, got, I got wrong or got in trouble for was like, I, that wasn't my intentions. Well, he was trying to clear some cobwebs on his mom's porch, you uh, know, like the, the posts. Yep. And for some reason, he thought the proper tool to really get it done was uh, his blowtorch. That oh, yeah, that makes sense. So he lit the blowtorch mm. and was like trying to burn off these cobwebs yeah. near the posts. And you could have never seen this coming. The thing set fire. Yeah. And it burned his mom's house to the ground. John uh, Streckenbach, age 39. Yeah. So the cops didn't believe his story. They didn't. No, because they show up and they're like, what happened? He's like, man, I was just trying to clean. And so uh, anyway, they they arrested him because yeah. they don't believe that this was an accident. He's on um, being held for first degree arson that he'll be 
he'll be tried for. And the uh, you know hundred thousand dollars in damages, mm. it, it could be his. Did his so. mom come to his defense, or she's like, yeah, he burned it down, like. You know, it doesn't mention that in the story. Um, the fire went out at 5.30 p.m. She wasn't there. And... I mean, do you ever do anything you had great intentions and it just got out of hand? It didn't turn oh, yeah. out the way that you thought? 100%. You know, I think that happens to all of us. Mine, I even have a story like that with fire. Really? Yeah. I, um, I was just trying to burn some stuff. Mm-hmm. You ever just try to burn, like, loose, you know branches and stuff around your property yeah kind of get a little pile and you burn it yeah and it got out of hand it was a very windy day i had to call the fire department (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of scary yeah it was really close to my house eventually yeah but uh yeah no i i mean going overboard a tons of especially when i think i'm in the right maybe sometimes like oh i know what to do because i'm right about something so i go like overboard turns out i was wrong and if I would have just listened to the person that was telling me to do whatever, everything would be fine. Yeah. That's happened to me. Yeah. And here's the thing that I've learned, and I'm still learning, but I think I've learned it more than, I, than, I'm, than I'm repeating it. Like I'm starting to learn from it. Okay. Is, that, is this, this very thing, is that um, intentions really get you nowhere, right? Like you can have really good intentions. Your intentions can kind of like kind of motivate you for a moment but intentions really get you nowhere, right? It's kind of the starting point, but intentions go nowhere without a decision, right? So it's really it's really a decision that moves you forward or gets you to go somewhere, right? Or, you know, sets you in a in a direction, right? So intentions often find is like we have good intentions or we have intentions of doing something. We have intentions of doing something for advent or, you know, you know, rebooting our spiritual life or intentions of you know, being a better spouse or a parent, we have all these really great intentions. And look, it won't be long until we're going to, you know, cross into the new calendar year and everyone is going to make some type of, you know, have intentions to do something for the new year and some type of resolution, right? And intentions are go nowhere without decisions to move it forward, right? Yeah. Well, like in his, this guy's case, um, he definitely made a decision. Well, he didn't you know? think through the decision. Right, but he and, definitely and that's one. that's really what I'm getting at. Is like <laughs> you know, to be impulsive, to start a fire closer to your house, you know, with some branches and not think about the wind and kind of think about all the things, right? Yeah. And then each decision kind of moves you forward, right? I, I've had so many stories in my own life where I just had intentions, made a quick decision, and it didn't go right. Mm-hmm. Right. It went it went opposite of what I thought. It it you know, it, it certainly led into like a fight or getting in trouble or getting pulled over or, you know, probably you got pulled over, not me. <laughs> I mean, you really are the king of the segue. You just segued the man who set his mom's house on fire into Advent. Yeah. Like beautifully, yeah. just massively done. And this is you what I like about Advent is that it's very intentional. Yeah. And we talked about the purple, the purple candle. There's a reason that there is a purple candle. It's the penitential candle. It's to get us thinking. And every Sunday in Advent, we light a candle. There's there's a decision to do that. So imagine if you're just like, ah, our intentions are to light a candle, but we never do it, right? Mm-hmm. Some of you are saying, you know, maybe we should get an Advent wreath for our house during Advent. You know, I have a good intentions of starting my prayer life or lighting a candle every day, thinking about Advent more, but we don't do anything about it, right? Look, I'm just as guilty as everyone with having good intentions and those intentions getting nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. 
But what I have found that the times where I've actually gained traction is when I start to actually make grounded decisions that move it forward, right? So go out and buy an advent wreath. Put it in the center of the house where you can't miss it, right? Like you trip over it, right? Make intentions to light the candle. You know, so so the church becomes... I think the reason that you and I really love Advent, not only is it, you know, if we talked the last few shows, is, you know, it's the start of the new year. It's the rebirth. It's the coming of Christ. It's the first coming, the second coming. It's this beautiful season leading into the birth of Christ and Christmas. And we can go on and on and on and on, and we'll journey through that in Advent. But I think the reason that you and I kind of underneath love Advent is because the church becomes very intentional at the beginning of the, of the spiritual new year. Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing. This is the direction that we're going. These are the decisions that we're making. These are the candles that we're lighting. These are the vestments that we're wearing. These are the readings we're reading. This is the, 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 this is the direction. And, and it, and it just seems to kind of focus you in. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the church's intention over time, we call tradition, right? Like, I mean, tradition with a little T, those traditions we receive from 2000 years of Christianity are the products of a lot of people's intentions, like in, in Advent, for example, you know, uh, the things like lighting the candles and, and other things that say it's Advent, we're getting ready for Christmas, are the result of many, many Christians that intended to take Advent seriously, intended to take their spiritual life seriously, intended to hand on the faith to their children. How do we do that? Like, how do we teach that Christ is the light of the world, you know, preparing an Advent? And so that's one of the things I love about Advent, too, is that there's all kind of traditions to help teach my kids, help teach my family, help teach myself um, why we do what we year, do year-round, like why the church exists at all for the salvation of men in Jesus Christ. And, and we can teach in Advent the world and ourselves um, using those traditions we've been given. Yeah, so, you know, if you're sitting there, you're listening, part of the show, you know, thinking, you know, one of the great things about Advent, and I'm thinking about this as we're talking, is that it helps our intentions become a reality. It helps us actually take what we're intending to do and to start to move it forward, right? And the the church partners along with us in that. Christ, through his grace, helps move those things forward, right? So some some of those decisions are really easy and real practical. Some of them are harder, right, to move forward. You and I kind of both know this as an adult. Like you, you and I both, as an adult, like later on in life, after marriage and kids, went back to school. Mm-hmm. Right to to pursue uh, further our you know master's degree in theology. Right, that you ha- I can bet that you had intentions of doing that way before you did it. Right, like you're like it's something I really want to do. It's something I really want to do. And for me, it was something I thought about for years. I really should do it. I really want to do it. And then I could think of all the excuses of why I shouldn't. Right, mm-hmm. now I'm married, I kids, I travel a lot, I got a job, I got a lot of responsibilities. Right, good intentions, but guess what? The good intentions never signed me up for a class. The good intentions never got the degree for mm-hmm. you or I, right? Mm-hmm. Like there became a defining moment where you're like, I have to make a decision. If I'm going to do what's on my heart, I got to decide to do it and do something about it, right? Yeah. I, I got to apply. Like I, I got to take the next step, take the first class, like start moving it and kicking it forward. And I think a lot of times – when I become very mediocre, lackadaisical, lukewarm in my faith, it's not because my intentions aren't good. You know, I, I would say it's the opposite. I would say my intentions 
are very good. Like, I want to be holy. I want to pray more. I want to be a better person. I want to be more joyful, trusting, loving, humble, repentant. I want to, I, I want all those things. But to actually do it, that's where it becomes hard. And I think the biggest tension in our life is the tension between intentions and decisions. Mm. And oftentimes we stay kind of in, in that middle ground and we don't do anything about it. Yeah, and, a lot of times it's because it seems like there's so many decisions to be made in a direction that we don't take the low-hanging fruit decisions. Because like what you're describing in the spiritual life, that when we convert to Jesus Christ and then the ongoing conversion every year where God reveals something to us, a way we need to change. Maybe our prayer life needs to deepen. Maybe we realize we, we really lack some virtue in our home and we need to love our wife better or our husband better. Like when we get those moments of, okay, I really need to move in a direction um, it can seem like a like a mountain to climb, right? But there's always something very practical of a next step, you know? And there, there's always something that I can actually do in that direction. I may not have all the answers yet, right? Like I may not have all the decisions that I need to make figured out yet, but I, I should do something. You know, I should, if I know I need to treat my spouse better, there has to be something I could do today. Right. Some like before I go to bed, let me look this up. You can look up a blog how to treat your wife better, right? Something. Like you can do something. Now, don't pick up a blowtorch and burn the place down, right? Like don't but take a little step, something practical, something that you know you can do in the direction you know God's calling you to to move. Why not? Yes, exactly. Because I think a lot of times we think, "Oh, I need to change or I need to do something." It seems overwhelming and and then we start setting these big goals and and we think we have to make a huge decision i think the first step is just making that small decision that that one little thing that moves us forward right mm -hmm. and then it kind of gets us in a in a in a positive pattern of 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 kind of taking just one step forward right and that's the thing is like you know you want to kickstart your prayer life don't say you're going to pray an hour a day if you're not used to doing that right right say you're going to pray 10 minutes you're going to wake up and you pray 10 minutes and let that sort of decision begin to build into a, you know, a bigger decision and, and to kind of grow it, right? Mm -hmm. That's what virtue does is it, I don't think it just happens overnight. I think virtue is like a, a plant, like you plant the seed and you water it and it grows, right? As yeah. you nurture it, virtue grows, right? And it matures, right? That's why, you know, when you're younger, you don't have the same virtue as you do when you're older, right? Like, hopefully you're growing in those areas, you know? And, uh, you know, I was joking with a friend of mine before the show, actually, we were on this, uh, you know, group conversation on a, on a text group and somebody said something, um, in it and it was really, they didn't mean to be funny. It was kind of, and all I kept saying is like my filter just kind of turned on so that I wouldn't say anything like negative or mm -hmm. like inappropriate and my filter, I could see my filter turning on. I'm like, you know what? 20 years ago, there was no filter. <laughs> like I didn't have the virtue of the filter in that moment, right? And I and I could and I could and I could feel it like inside of me, you know. Like that happens over time. Like you you grow as you as you mature, but it starts in little small steps. And this is again the beauty and the simplicity of Advent is that we're preparing to to recognize. Jesus as this little humble child, Christmas, preparing for his first coming and his second coming. We're preparing our hearts. We're doing all these things. But it's a it's a very humble season. 
It's a very small season, you know, and it, and it, it just kind of fits right in there to help us to reboot our spiritual life in, in just a very simple way, just following Joseph and Mary and Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and these penitential seasons are about chipping away. Um, Lent chips away to prepare ourselves to journey with the Lord to Calvary and to experience his resurrection. But Advent chips away to prepare our hearts and our homes to welcome Christ. Like that's kind of its main uh, penitential charism, if you will. It's different than Lent. You know, in Lent, it's like we do our penances because we prepare to celebrate and to, to observe the most solemn day of Christ's death and then to celebrate his resurrection. It's, it's a preparation for that moment. But in Advent, we're called to do penance because we need to make room in our hearts for Christ. Like That's why we're doing this, so that when Christ comes at Christmas, there's room in the end of my heart to let him in there and to live there. And so for a lot of us, we could probably name something very practical that we, we don't make room for God in our heart in this way. You know, like for me, I have kind of a new life recently, a new daily routine, and it's been hard to shift my prayer routines and other things from what the life I used to live to the life I live now. It's been difficult. And so the past couple months and, and this Advent, for sure, I'm just trying to find those little things I can do to get, like, to find that new routine. And so I'm just taking one prayer practice at a time, one thing at a time, and it's been much more fruitful than, like, you know, the couple months where I was just like, well, no, I'm just going to do everything I used to do just at a different time. It didn't work. Like, I couldn't I couldn't just go zero to 60 with it. I had to go a little more gradually. And so this Advent, I'm just trying to keep it simple and chip away at those things through penance that I don't make room in, in my life for, for the Lord for so that when Christmas comes, I'm, I'm the type of person who lets Jesus into their daily life, lets Jesus into their prayer life, lets Jesus into their their home. You know, I want to be that kind of Christian. And so Advent is about all that for all of us. You know, let's do the penance. Let's take it seriously because we can prepare a home for the Lord where we welcome him. Amen to that. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we have a weird Catholic stuff. We have a pretty amazing reading coming up for this Sunday. So um, we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in the studio. Nice, full cool week. Full. full. You I asked am. me in the first segment how my Thanksgiving was, and I was so focused on Advent that I just could You're not. You were fired up. Fired up. That's a good Catholic right there. You know? I'm so focused on Advent, I don't want to talk about Thanksgiving. Which is That's not good 100% true because I was pretty focused on Thanksgiving. Yeah. I got to tell you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. You enjoyed yourself? I did. You know, I like Thanksgiving. What was your favorite thing that you ate? Oh, man. I cooked a pork loin. Ah, not a, a tenderloin. Huge, a loin. Not a yeah. tenderloin, a big old. And then we had a turkey, but the pork loin, um, yeah, and the rice dressing. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. God bless. And we America. had some turkey. You have to. I gotta keep saying that. You have to <laughs> have turkey. <laughs> but it was good, man. I, I am I am kinda full, but I'm very grateful. Grateful for family, grateful for, you know, just so many things. It's good to be grateful. Yeah. So I, I like Thanksgiving in the fact that it, it is a good reminder to have a heart of gratitude. Scripture talks a lot about that, right? And it is sort of the one of the, the, the fruits of the Spirit that we do come around during Advent. This is why, like, in the third Sunday of Advent, not to get ahead of ourselves, we light the pink candle, right? We're talking about the purple. What's the pink candle for? Well, joy. Exactly. Joy. Yeah. Now... It's fun, the the rose one, the pink one, if you take violet and white and kind of blend them, you get the rose and the pink. So it's like a little bit of joy of Christmas into your penance. It's like we're almost there. It's like you take a little taste of Christmas. Yeah. And so, exactly, like, I've never seen anyone who, who, um, who had joy who also didn't have gratitude. I think those two are linked together. Oh, yeah. You know, like... Because what do we have to be joyful about? Good things. Right. And if I'm grateful for the good things I have, and all of us have good things, like God has blessed all of us, yeah. then I'm, I'm joyful. Because, I mean, true joy that's deep like that is not the same as being entertained or, or being, um, you know, satiated for a while. Like if I just got a, a great Christmas gift, you know, that, I don't know, a PlayStation 5 or something, I'm really happy for like five minutes, then I want the next thing, you know. That's not gratitude. I mean, gratitude is the ability to see what I already have as blessings. You know, it's not, I'm so happy I got this new toy. Um, and remember that as your gift buying right now for your family, <laughs> you know, if you want to give them the gift of joy, it's not the same thing as, you know, entertainment necessarily. I mean, it's good to give good things, but we also have to teach in those gifts gratitude, you right. know, that to be grateful for what we have and not just always moving on to the next thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right. So, you know, you've had sort of some time off to, to think about this uh, with Thanksgiving, but did you come up with a weird Catholic stuff? What? You gotta be kidding me! Stop it! That's weird! Weird Catholic stuff! Man, you almost choked. <laughs> <laughs> you. For everybody, this is live. Like I he, lost the lung. He, he did it. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> what's your weird Catholic stuff? All right, so this one's kind of Christmas-related. Okay. I've never thought about this before, and this, this little article got me thinking. You know, like back in the day, they might have had relics that we don't even have anymore mm-hmm. or that were just famous, like artifacts or something that, yeah. that we don't even have anymore. And so there's this article about on the 15th century in an English abbey, it was really famous. They had a particular relic that people came from all over the world to see and apparently got lost or I, I don't know what happened to it, but it was um, it was Santa Claus's finger. Really? Yeah. So now, Santa as in the fake Saint guy Nicholas. or St. Nicholas? No, St. Nicholas. Okay. Like the, the man, uh, his finger was a very popular relic and it somehow ended up in England um, is it like the whole finger or like a tip of the finger? The or? whole finger of the bone. Wow. You know, it wasn't incorrupt or anything. Right. Um, but apparently there were 175 relics at this place, and it was destroyed at some point or it was lost. But um, I just think that's weird. But, I mean, if you just think about that, 
Right now we think about Santa Claus and there's all these movies, but back in the day, St. Nicholas, for like hundreds of years, people thought about his finger. You know, that was, that was the connection. There's Santa Claus and there's his finger. Yeah, you know, it is very strange uh, that, you know, Catholics have relics. Okay, like, so there's saints, people who have witnessed what it means to follow Jesus. You know, these, these examples of Christ-like living, those are saints, right? And then they die, and then we save their bones and their, their hair, and we put them in little glass cases, and, you know, they're relics, mm-hmm. right? And we sort of venerate those as a, you know, um, a thing, you know? And yeah. uh, it's, it's kind of cool. Well, in, in this it's particular weird. church, wanted, they, they had a Christmas theme to their relics. So it's all kind of weird stuff. So that, that's the weirdest one to me is St. Nicholas's finger. But um, they had relics of the manger, re- relics of the swaddling clothes. That's pretty neat. Um, one of St. Nicholas's hair shirts. So that's the thing for penance. They had the stone or one of the stones used to kill St. Stephen because St. Stephen's Day is the day after Christmas. Yeah. Um, they had relics of the Holy Innocents. That's the feast of um, uh, December 28th. The, so these were all lost or buried or something, and they found them? Well, no. They, like, uh, I, don't, I think they know where some of them are now, but um, most of these relics are not known where they're at. But apparently this was just a big pilgrimage site until the 15th century or something where Catholics around the world, they, oh, yeah, that place in England that has all the Christmas stuff, that was a thing. Oh. And it's not a thing anymore. So think about this, like which is crazy. So the feast of St. Nicholas is December 6th. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, now we, you know, our culture has derived Santa Claus, you know, from St. Nicholas, right? As an actual saint, a bishop, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a literal person. And but, not a very fat man either. He was skinny. Yeah. And, but this guy wasn't like around in like the 1800s. No. We're talking about, like, from 270 to 343. Like, that is a long time ago. And yeah. we're, we're venerating him, in a sense, as, as Santa Claus, as a saint, all the way back from the 200s. Think about how far back that is. That's a long time. That is a long time. And now you're telling me that they have his finger <laughs> as a relic. And this yeah. isn't, like I said, like some myth of a guy from the 1800s like, oh yeah, he was a great guy went around handing presents to people. No, this was a, uh, a bishop from, you know, the mid 200s to the mid 300s. That's how far back St. Nicholas goes. Yeah. And it's crazy to me that society will take very Catholic things and then just pretend like they're not Catholic things like Santa Claus. I mean, how many movies and stories or whatever? Totally. It's like, you're talking about a bishop. You're talking about a bishop, a literal <laughs> bishop, a man who ran who, churches. <laughs> yeah. Who had charity for the poor, yeah. right? And just, yeah, like, like gave um, from the bottom of his heart. And, and that, that has grown into certainly we should be charitable and, and giving and, and all those things. But now it's become this big, fat, white bearded man who yeah. flies around. In a sleigh, how funny is that? I mean, I guess you can't it's make funny. this thing. You well, can't. You can. You can't make it. You up. actually can make it. Um, up. Yeah. So, tell your kids this year about Santa Claus's finger that was uh, that was in England. Apparently, 
they think it's in Italy now. I was just kind of yeah. perusing. So yeah. you might still be able to find Santa Claus's Stumble finger. Up. Maybe Stumble do that this it. year instead of going to the mall. Yeah. Just go uh, go check out the finger. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's been interesting. All these readings leading up into Advent have been about the end times, right? And it's really a preparation for us uh, going into Advent because, you know, Advent is, is not only about this realization and celebration and preparation of what has happened historically, which is the first coming of Christ, the baby Jesus. The reality is that, yes, there was a baby Jesus, but Jesus will never be a baby again, right? Like we, you know, you can certainly have devotion and worship to baby Jesus, but the baby Jesus doesn't go back and is not a baby. Jesus grew up, became a man, died, right? And Advent is also more so a preparation for the second coming, that our hearts should be ready and prepared. So we've been seeing all these readings of the second coming uh, or the end of the world, right, that Jesus is talking about. And it's really in preparation that there's an end time. This is this is all happening, and our hearts should be prepared. When Jesus comes back, he's not coming back as a baby to re-up what he already did. Uh, he's he's going to come back as a grown man, right, and, and, you know, claim everything to himself, right? So just just to kind of know that, right? Like we kind of lean into this, the miracle of the incarnation and, and Christ coming uh, into the world um, in a very humble way. Um, but our hearts are pointing to this adult relationship with the Lord, right? And, and the second coming of Jesus. Yeah, I like the way you say the adult relationship because there's no more adult relationship than the new heaven and the new earth. I mean, all of us are going to be fully grown up like real grown-ups when we're in heaven with the Lord and everything about the old earth, it's corruption, it's sin, it's death, it's pain, it's suffering, um, division, war, all of it will be past and we will all be full (laughs) grown-ups in the kingdom. And that's what we look forward to in Advent, right? Like that Christ has become full stature and the church fulfills its its, uh, calling, its vocation to be the kingdom of God forever in heaven. And that, that has to be where our thoughts start before we turn to Bethlehem and before we turn to Nazareth because it reminds us, like you said, Paul, that we are in this world a people of hope looking forward to something. And we're not... When we look back, when we look back to the manger, we look back to Nazareth, we look back to look forward. You know, it's the same vision. It's the, it, we look at Christ. That's who we're looking at. And Christ is both... Our origin as God, he's our savior in, in the, his passion, death, and his first coming. But he's our savior when he comes again and brings an end to this world of, of trial and tribulation and fulfills the kingdom that he came to inaugurate. Um, so we look back to look forward. So Advent starts us looking forward so that we can look back. Yeah, and really, it really is more so about looking forward, right? It's about us moving forward in, in our life, in our, in our focus, in our spiritual life. I think the, one of the greatest obstacles for folks, myself included, is that we look back too much in a sense of, like, in regret, in our sin, we look back. And one of the readings this past few weeks, I don't even remember, is, you know, Jesus says, D- don't be like Lot's wife, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what did Lot's wife do? God said, you know, y'all leave, don't look back, and you'll be fine, and she looks back. Right. And what happens? He turns her into a block of salt. Right. It's just a pile of salt. Like she, she's like done. Boom. Smote her. Mm-hmm. You know, and th- this idea, like if, looking back, really 
you know, w- once we're forgiven, w- once we recognize where we've come from, it's, it's really about focusing forward and looking towards Jesus, right? And you r- see the readings this Sunday, which you guys are listening in, you're like, you, you'll notice the Sunday, Jesus begins the first part of the gospel in Luke, where he's talking about the end times again. And you're just like, oh my gosh, this is depressing. <laughs> he said, there will be signs in the sun, the moon, the stars, the earth. The nations will be in dismay, perplexed and roaring the seas and the waves. People will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the world, right? So he's talking about this and you know the disciples are like, what? For the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the son of man coming in a cloud, not a baby Jesus, the son of man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. But when the signs begin to happen, stand erect, raise your heads, because redemption is at hand. Look forward, right? So he, mm-hmm. he, he says all this, and, and you know like his followers are like, bro, this is dark, man. Like I have no <laughs> idea where you're going, right? And he's, he's getting them, their attention, getting them to look forward, and then he goes on to this. This is, this is where the rubber meets the road. He says, however, like during this time, be aware that your hearts did not become drowsy from carousing and drunkenness and the anxieties of daily life. Hello. And that that day catch you by surprise like a trap for that day will assault everyone who lives on the face of the earth. Be vigilant at all times and pray that you have the strength to escape the tribulations that are imminent and to stand before the son of man. He gives us instructions, right? To look forward to not be drowsy, to not be like off carousing and drunkenness, to not be overwhelmed by the anxieties of life, but to pray and to look forward in hope and joy of what Christ has for us. This reminds me of why we do midnight mass at Christmas. You know, this, that parable of Jesus with the, the virgins that keep vigil for the coming of, of the bridegroom. They don't know when, and then he comes, and they're ready. The wise virgins already have their lamps alight. And the other ones have gone because they didn't have enough oil right they wasted it you know and this idea of staying awake which is an advent theme you know it's it's that looking forward the way that we look forward to things when we stay up late like when we look forward to the new years for example which is soon too we stay up really late just because we want to see the time change or we look forward to um our birthday we might stay up late I don't know. Point being, when we are looking forward and anticipating something, we're willing to give up sleep. We're willing to give up comfort. We're willing to stay awake and watch. And our Lord uses that image many times, including this time, to remind us that the point of it all is to stay awake in our soul and not to let ourselves fall asleep because Christ comes all the time. You know, he doesn't just come at midnight in the sense of the end of the world. He comes today. And if only we were awake today, right? Like if only I was awake, really awake today, waiting, willing to give up comfort, willing to give up sleep, willing to give up my own way today, Hmm. what God could do today. Hmm. And Advent is all about that. It's looking forward so I could look now too. Like looking forward so we could look back, but looking forward so we could look now and realize that Christ, this same Christ who's going to come at the end of time, comes today. And if I'm awake and ready and, and vigilant for that, I'll welcome him. Yeah, I mean, what is vigilance? It's uh, it's putting our intentions into action to kind of go back to the first segment, right? Yeah. To be vigilant is it's a it's a it's a verb. It's a doing, right? You know, I'm kind of um, I'm really big on being prepared. 
You know, if I'm giving yeah, a talk, you are. I like to be prepared. But like, if I'm going on a trip, I like to be prepared. Like, I like to have everything I, I packed, and I like to, you know, I want an air pump in the car in mm-hmm. case the tire goes flat. I want to make sure. Like, I'm not like overly, but I'm like, hey be prepared and when i talk to my kids as they get older they go on trips or whatever the case may be i'm like make sure your phone's charged at all times you know like make sure so that you have a map and instructions and directions you know all those things because if you get lost which is probably going to happen and your phone's out your battery's dead you whatever you run out of gas your car breaks down and you weren't vigilant enough to be prepared man that's going to be pretty bad. You're going to yeah. be stuck on the side of the road. You can't call anybody. You can't change your tire. It could get cold. Like, you have to think ahead, not with just good intentions, but vigilance to put that into action. Let me prepare. This is Advent. It, it's, it's, it's literally putting traction on your tires so that you can begin to inch forward and to be vigilant about that. Yeah, which is exactly why Jesus doesn't tell her the day, tell us the day or the hour he's going to come again. Imagine if he did. Right. If I would do nothing till the day before. Exactly. <laughs> Literally, I'd just lay in there. If right before he ascended to heaven, he said, "All right, y'all, three thousand fifteen on uh, January third, I'm coming at two p.m. Yeah, so get ready." I mean, think about this. Somebody told me <laughs> this week that they were reading this study that over the course of this past like year and a half of like COVID and quarantine and people working at home and, and whatever that now that they're getting out of the house, they're going to put on their shoes and their shoes don't fit. Mm. They haven't worn shoes in like a year, year and a half. <laughs> and maybe they've gained weight. Their feet have gotten bigger, fatter or whatever the case may be. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's what, that's what I'd be. I just lay around lounging, no motivation. <laughs> oh Jesus. I know the exact day. Right. Yeah. No, that's not how life works. Like, Lord's like, wake up every day, give everything that you have, everything, you know, because there'll be a day where I'm coming back, right? Mm-hmm. Now, granted, like, you and I may physically die before the second coming, but I mean... Well, we don't know when that day's coming either, right? We Our don't know death. when that day yeah. is. And it's on that day we're going to face Jesus. That's going to be our second coming. Yeah. We're going to face Jesus face to face. And he's going to be like, oh, you've been laying around, you big couch potato. Your shoes don't even fit. (laughs) (laughs) Right? What do we call that? Sloth, spiritual sloth. And look, I'm just as guilty. What I'm saying and what we're getting at, right, is that Advent is pulling us off the couch Mm -hmm. and getting us back in spiritual shape. And we start with just a daily walk, right, around the block. And that builds into maybe running a mile. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But for all of us, it's different. But it is about taking our intentions and putting them into action, to be vigilant into making those things happen. Yeah, and the great thing about Advent is that it centers around a, a baby, a coming of a baby. And you and I both know what this is like when your wife is pregnant, or you know, if you're a woman, you know what it's like to be pregnant. And you know you have a certain timeline where things need to happen to welcome this child, you know. Maybe you got to put up the crib. Maybe you have to make sure you get diapers. Maybe um, certain things need to be a place in place in the home. You got to make a nursery out of a different room or something. You know things need to happen, and you know that you basically have nine months to get that done, right? And so some days you think about it and you're doing stuff. Some days you're not thinking about it and you're not doing stuff. But 
when you go into labor, it's too late. Mm. You know what I mean? Like there's a, you're going to the hospital and when you come back, you have a baby and you don't know when that moment is that you're going to go into labor. You know about when it is, but when it starts, that's it. Like you have no more preparation time. So you have nine months to prepare for this one moment of bringing home the child. And our life is just like that. The Lord gives us a certain amount of time. We don't know when exactly, but Advent is all about, we know Jesus is going to come, come on December 25th. Like we know we're going to have Christmas, right? Like I don't know when Jesus is coming back again. I don't know when I'm going to die, but I know when we're going to have Christmas. And so I can take that time of four weeks of preparing for Christmas to make it a four weeks of preparing for when Jesus comes back again, a four weeks for preparing when Christ, you know, this might be my last Advent. I don't know. You know, I had an aunt who died this year, and she had no idea last Advent, last Christmas was it for her. That was her last chance. And so that's, that's going to be true for some of us. We don't know the last time we get this spiritual reboot of Advent and this chance to focus on our spiritual life. So if we take it seriously to prepare for December 25th, hmm. we're also preparing for the Lord as he comes again for us or for the whole world. Man, I wonder who ever came up with the term couch potato. It's just it's such a, a fun word to say. <laughs> couch potato. Yeah, why right. a potato? I don't uh, know. Why a potato? All right, speaking of, of couch potatoes, we'll take a quick break. And couch we'll be, watermelon. <laughs> we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. I don't know. I was thinking, I mean, I like potatoes. You know, couch potato. I was like, why not something like a, I don't know. A, Did people have potatoes on their couches at one point? Like, oh, look, there's another potato on the couch. Why not a Brussels sprout? You know? Brussels sprout. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> head of cabbage. Yeah. You. Couch cabbage. Couch cabbage. <laughs> it rhymes better. You know, why potato? I mean, do potatoes get like this? you know, reputation for just laying there? Maybe. That's a good point. Maybe. It's like a lazy... All root. vegetables lay there. I mean, <laughs> yeah, all fruits. Not, I mean, none of them, like any of them walk around. <laughs> it's not like the strawberries. Like, I'm an exerciser. The broccoli's like, me too. <laughs> I mean, I don't get it. I don't get it either. I don't get it. We're going to have to look into this. Let's just change the term. Couch cabbage. Couch cabbage. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> right here, right now, <laughs> you've heard it here. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's just because we're excited about Advent this season. It's new, oh, yeah? new year. And I'm still kind of uh, hungover from the turkey. Yeah. You ever eat so much turkey that you really it affects nope. you for like I a day? I do not because I don't eat a lot of turkey. Really? Nope. I eat some to say I did. And that's it. And then I just handle up on the brisket and the pork loin. Yeah. And brisket the rice is, dressing. We do I mean, brisket you're every from year. It's pretty good. Yeah. The dirty south way down here. <laughs> Turkey is a side item. It's a ceremony. It is a 
It's a turkey. Uh, you're a couch turkey. You're a couch turkey. That's what you that are. That makes more sense. Turkeys are fat and <laughs> weird looking. So. Butterball couch turkey. <laughs> All right. Speaking of, uh, how about a six pack of questions? Question. Question number one. We began our uh, episode of greatness with a discussion about a man who picked up a blowtorch to yeah. try to clean his mom's porch. That's a good idea. Cobwebs. Um, have you ever held a blowtorch? That's yes. the question. And tell me about it. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> it really is. I can see where this guy got just a little out of hand with it. <laughs> because when you have a blowtorch in your hand, you just feel like you're invincible. <laughs> when did you have a blowtorch? So this guy had this blowtorch to start like an outdoor fire. And you just light it. It's like, you know, and then you just you just spray this fire with this torch, man. It's just like done. It is awesome. You feel like you're on top of the world. Do you feel like cleaning? <laughs> Apparently he did. You do like in the back of your mind, you do think I can burn anything down. Yeah, so what, maybe he just got out of hand. This? Yeah. What else do you do with a blowtorch besides light a fire? Oh, you just torch everything. So. Yeah. That's awesome. You would like it. You would enjoy it. I think I would. Yeah. One of these men's retreats I do take on, which you're going to go on, we have a blowtorch there. Really? Yeah. It's not like, hey, who wants to do the blowtorch? But there's one there to like light the fires, and I will I'll let you handle up on it. Man, that's And you're going to come back on this show, and you're going to report how good it felt. That's fun. Yeah. All right. Question number two. We talked about St. Nicholas's finger as like a Christmas yeah, I was thinking uh, about centerpiece. That. Yep. Um, we should do Advent fingers. The candles <laughs> shaped like, shake like St. Nicholas's <laughs> fingers. Oh, my goodness. All right. <laughs> um, so my question for you is, what is the like largest in volume relic you've ever seen or venerated? Besides um, a whole body? I guess a whole body. Let's go with besides the whole body, like a piece of a person, like the largest. I saw piece. an incorruptible whole body, but when I was in Atlanta, they they had a new church, St. Peter Chanel Catholic yeah. Church, which is still there. It's a beautiful parish, and we were setting up for for something in the church, and uh, and we were changing out the altar cloth, and I was not aware at the time in my life that in altars there's relics. Well, this one, when you pulled off the altar cloth, there was actually a large glass case built into the center of the altar, and it was a whole vertebrae of St. Peter Chanel. The whole vertebrae. And that's why I was like, that's big. It was like the, the like a vertebrae, like a disc wow. of the spine. Yeah. And a, like another piece. Like in, so it was, you know, like, you know, whatever, like the size of a hamburger, like just boom. You're just like, whoa, that's a whole bone. And then it's like, oh, it's the relic. And then it's like, oh, yeah. Wow. And that's here in the United States, which is cool. In Atlanta. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. All right, question number three. So we talked a bit about, like, intention, meeting with decision. And I imagine a lot of us have something in our spiritual life, mostly prayer, if I have to say. Most people say, I wish I prayed more, or I know I should be praying more. Um, but they don't seem to get traction. So how do you... Go from I really think I should be doing something, like deepening my prayer life, um, to actually getting that traction. If you haven't been able to do it so far, like if you just like it just hasn't happened yet, you've wanted to do it for a long time. What might you add to the equation to really get things done? One of the things people do 
that add maybe to the to the help of that is maybe they have someone that holds them accountable or a couple of people so they you know they might do something for advent together hey make sure i pray every day that's what i'm going to decide to do or how would i so you're going to help me and i'm going to help you kind of you know so that's a good thing a good method maybe if you're a new catholic or christian maybe you find someone who's you know kind of has you know a prayer life or things to get and just kind of ask them some advice other thing I would say is that we can think of more excuses why not to do something than we can to do something. Mm. There's never a good time. We're always going to have excuses. I got so many excuses not to go to confession. I can think of a thousand, right? Mm-hmm. And I can only think of one reason I should, but I have all these excuses why I shouldn't. And we got to re- just forget about the excuses of all the things why we don't have time and why we shouldn't or why we feel guilty or whatever and just make a decision to do it and go to confession, start praying every day, read scripture, right? Go to mass, light a candle, do whatever you got to do, right? Mm-hmm. Get off the couch of being a couch cabbage <laughs> and, and just start moving, right? Get your shoes back on. They don't fit. I mean, for goodness sakes alive, like honestly, like I think about that, it hit me. I was like, people's shoes aren't fitting. <laughs> Like, like I, I can't even, you know? So anyway, the, like, yeah. Like, so. Are we on question four or five? I can't remember. I think Probably it's four. four, yeah. Okay, question number four. Oh, boy. Um, all right, so we talked about um, Jesus coming again and kind of being awake, being vigilant. Um, talk to me about this kind of awakeness of the spiritual life, like, is it, is the goal just to not go to sleep, or is there something I should be doing while I'm awake spiritually? Like, how do I how do I feed my soul, feed my life enough to where I'm actually like an awake Christian and not just kind of going through the motion of day to day life? You know? Yeah, and it's not so much about like the more I do, the better I become. You know, I think it's the more I surrender, the better I become. The more I just allow in God's grace. You know, I was reading about Saint Augustine, his testimony and like his conversion, and there was you know, a long seasons of just slight cracks in his life where he became more and more open to God, mm-hmm. right? And to his conversion. And it was in this weird moment where he heard this little girl reading scripture or this person reading scripture and he opened up the scripture and read it himself. And it's like, he was just struck. Like the grace of God just hit him, convicted his heart. And like, like his life began to like drastically change. Like it's little moments where we just say, Lord, I just let your grace move in my heart however you want through scripture, through the mass, through confession, and just let me not try to pull myself out of it. Let, let me rely on you to pull me forward, mm. you know? So self-reliance can kill God's grace big time. It could mm. squish it. Interesting. Question number five. So there is a lot of pressure culturally to kind of move from Thanksgiving right to Christmas. Um, not all of that's bad. I mean, it's fun to put up lights and to watch Christmas movies, drink eggnog, all these things. But at the same time, there is a season of Advent we're about to begin. And so, how do you how do you kind of balance that um, that this time of year to make Advent an actual thing that we don't just put off for a couple of weeks? I know for myself, sometimes I look at Advent a little couple of weeks too late, right? Because I've I'm still getting over Thanksgiving or whatever else. Um, how do we prioritize and make decisions for Advent? Um, even in, around a culture that's already moved on to Christmas. Yeah. You know, I would say, like, do something specifically for Advent that goes all the way through Advent. You know, so 
get an Advent wreath and light the candles and do the Advent prayer all the way through Advent, right? Even if you're like, oh, we want to decorate our tree at some point, you know? Okay, I'm not going to argue, whatever. Mm. And But I would say is hold some things that are for Christmas just for Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. In, in a sense of like kind of push that into the Christmas season. And, and there may be some, some overlap, but save some that's just for Advent and some just for Christmas. And, and, and it, and it kind of allows you to stay in the, in the season, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Right on. All right. Question number six. Um, what are you going to be doing this Advent, you and your family, mm-hmm. uh, getting ready for Christmas? That may, Like the little traditions. Like what kind of happens in the George house, mm-hmm. George home? The first tradition is I'll always find the Advent candles in the attic melted. That is the <laughs> first tradition. And then you tell yourself, I won't keep it here next year. And then I, <laughs> I say, we need more candles, new ones, and then they're out. There's none. Yeah. Candle and shortage. then, uh, you know, it's hysterical. So that's the first tradition. I always find the melted candles. <laughs> and uh, why stop now? Let's just keep doing it over and over and over <laughs> and over again. And maybe, maybe we'll just take all those melted candles and just put them into a big ball and have an Advent <laughs> candle ball that just sits in the middle of our house. Man. That's my idea. I've had a lot of good ideas on this show today. That's a good idea. <laughs> so where'd the Advent candle ball uh, tradition start? It's a pretty good Catholic tradition. <laughs> It'll be weird Catholic stuff one day. Yeah, it will be. So anyway, um, so we, we do break out the, the Advent wreath, and um, and we kind of start just doing that. And, and I, l- I really like to focus on the... Uh, the Advent readings, the mm-hmm. liturgical readings, the, the the Sunday readings for Advent, and pray with those because coming out of ordinary time, it's very focused prayer with Advent, and so I would encourage people to dive into the Scripture this Advent because it's a it's a, you know we're in a season we're focused and it it's really great scriptures to pray with. Um, so I would encourage people to that. So thanks everyone for being a part of the show, listening to the show here on KLFT Radio. You're in Acadiana or on the podcast, wherever you are, feel free to share the show and uh, invite people to be a part of it. And have a great first week of Advent. We'll be back next week. God bless.